Avoiding becoming someone else's meal is typically priority number one for most animals. While there are many different ways to live another day in the eat-or-be-eaten kingdom of Animalia, those that use disguises are sometimes the most interesting. One large moth thinks this whole disguise thing has gone to the birds. But you gotta do what you gotta do to sip that nectar you're in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. Thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, search Cassie Michelle on YouTube. And today we're talking about an animal that I could have sworn we did before, but I can't find it anywhere on our list, so we must not have. Really? I have distinct memories of this thing. Mm, I don't think we've ever done a full-blown moth before well, yes we have well we did the we did the, bear. yeah but that was the we were talking about the caterpillar not the moth uh and i know i tweeted about this because my mom saw one and took a picture of it and so i sent it like an ldt tweet oh maybe picture. that's what happened or with we, we did do a full episode and, but and, and i asked jesse like did we ever my sister did we ever do this episode like an episode on this because I remember it. And she's like, maybe, I think maybe you did a, she said, I think maybe you did like a measure up or something where you like measured something against the moth. And I couldn't find that either. So who knows? I feel like we've talked about it, but we've never done an episode about it. We did talk about a hummingbird before. So maybe we talked yes. about it then. The Rufus hummingbird. And it's long pilgrimage. But we're not talking about a hummingbird. We're talking about something pretty close to A hummingbird. Uh, it's got hummingbird in the name of the hummingbird moth. Yes, the clearwing hummingbird moth. Yes, to be specific about it. But it's like, uh, there's a bunch, of, they're also called hawk moths. Oh, wait, I should let you say that. Yes, it's also called hawk moths. Well, the, the entire um, family is hawk moths, big moths. Although this one isn't that big. I've definitely seen much bigger, but still pretty decently sized moth. But so it's the clearwing hummingbird moth. We're gonna call it here uh, clearly a moth, which is a Brian a Brianism. <laughs> if if you're listening to this and you have not seen Brian's artwork for our episodes, he does a unique drawing, full color drawing for each one, and they're all amazing. You should check them out at ldtaxonomy.com. If you're just listening to this over iTunes. There's a whole visual element to this podcast that you are missing out on. You, you can, can also, yeah, you can, you can also, also see it on social on, media, on Spotify too. Oh, can you? Oh, yeah. So if you're just if you're listening on like Overwatch, Overcat, Overwatch, Overwatch, Overwatch yeah. is, Overwatch if you're is a listening video game. on Fortnite. What is Overcast? I think that's one of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Overcast or iTunes or our Apple Podcast or whatever. Then um, go check it out on. You can also follow us on social media and find it there. We have them all posted. You could also see some of his art if you buy a shirt, which yes. is true. <laughs> it's It's been so cold here in Jacksonville that I have been almost nonstop wearing my um, my Sunset Bear hoodie, LT Taxonomy uh, 
v- vaporwave bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where you can get on Teespring. Teespring, Teespring yeah. The, yeah. S- the store is called Taxonomy Tees. It's so comfortable and a conversation starter. <laughs> it's true. Because you have a neon bear on your shirt or sweater. Okay, uh, we're also going to call it Moth for Liberal Arts, the Hummingbird Moth, and we're going to call it Pistachio Disguisey. <laughs> Go watch The Master of Disguise. I think I could say that. I think I can I, I can uh, endorse confidently that. endorse that movie to children. I think. It's not like Austin Powers where no. it's got a lot of adult content. It's like the children's version of that. <laughs> the, yes. The children's Austin Powers. is. is it kind of is. It's the same level of goof without all of the adult content. There is some, though, uh, if I remember is correctly. It? I don't remember. Anyway, um, yeah, that's what we're calling it, P- pistachio. Would you like to know what science has to say about this? What does science have to say? Well, it has to say that it is, it is in the kingdom you know, love, it, and are in the kingdom Animalia. Mm-hmm. The phylum is Arthropoda. Mm-hmm. Because it is uh, in the class Insecta. That's because was the wrong word. Yeah, that was the other way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I could have said because. Actually, it's no, no, no. That lobster. was right. It is in the phylum Arthropoda because it's in the class Insecta. Uh, the order is Lepidoptera, and that is an order of insects that includes, you guessed it, butterflies and moths. The family is. Sphingidae, because it's also called Sphinx Moth. Did you know that? The Sphinx Moth? This family? I did, but Hawk Moth sounds better. Yeah. Uh, genus is Hemaris, making the species Hemaris Thysby. Thysby? Thysby. Ultimate Thysby. Why didn't I put Ultimate Thysby on this? <laughs> Clearly. Mrs. Thysby. Have you seen The Secret of Nim? Yes. Mrs. Brisby. Have you seen Psyche? Clithby? No. Okay. No, I have not seen Psyche. Uh, but since we're in the business of naming things, it's time for my favorite part of the show. Cue the music. Critter groups. The part of the show where I ask you, Joe, a question. And that question is the same every time. What is the name of a group of this animal? Or what is the term of entry? Or what is the collective noun? It's all the same. If you saw a group of moths, do you have one for moths? What would you call it? Would you call it A, a flutter of moths? B, a radiance of moths? C, a whisper of moths? Or D, a piercing of moths? Flutter, radiance, whisper, and piercing. I want a whisper seems good. Because, no. You know why that's in your brain? Because of the Lord of the Rings. Because Gandalf whispers to a moth. I'm going to go with a piercing final answer. Incorrect. You want to know what the answer is? Is it a whisper? It is. Leave a whisper. Maybe that's why Tolkien (laughs) made the whispering, the animal that Gandalf whispers to, a moth. If it it was a shout of moths, then we know exactly what Gandalf would have done. (laughs) scream at this moth he's caught and then go get the birds <laughs> whisper is really uh appropriate i was yeah think. it works because they're 
I don't know. Their I wing guess... beats are a whisper. Um, I thought fl I'd get you with Flutter for sure. Piercing was just out of the Flutter seems like it would be more for butterflies. No, butterflies has got by. a great one. Um, and I can't wait to, I guess, eventually do a butterfly so I can <laughs> bust that one on you. Um, so, con I, congratulations. I played myself on that one. Mm-hmm. I was like, got him. I didn't mean to do that, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, would you like to know what it looks like? Sure, sure, sure. The clearwing hummingbird moth comes in a, several colors, but they're usually a shade of green on their backs with a reddish color on their like wing area. Uh, although they're also clear, so there's parts of it with no color. Uh, they they may also have shades of yellow or white on their bellies. That's that counter shading, you know. Mm hmm. Uh, they have a large body compared to their wing size, which is the opposite for most moths and butterflies where they have, well, moths can be thicker bodied than a butterfly, but, uh, they have, they have fairly large bodies for their wings. They, they also have, look like stealth bombers, like with tiny bodies and like these massive wings. It's funny you should say that. Uh, they also have two large antenna antennas that look like bunny ears kind of like moths kind of sometimes do because they're mm -hmm. covered in this b black hair like chitinous fiber chitin yeah chitinous uh-huh yeah so it looks like little fuzzy ears remember the chitons that's a good way to remember that it is not it is chitin that's how you pronounce it <laughs> Uh, remember the chitin. Hummingbird moths uh, also have a long proboscis that curls in flight and extends to suck up nectar. A little straw. Yeah. I broke the camel's back. It's really weird looking. Butterflies have the same thing. Yeah. And so that brings us to the part of the description that is the Measure Up segment. Welcome to the beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show, the part of the show when we pre we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send an audio of yourself saying, saying you're chittering the words Measure Up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We don't have a new Measure Up intro this week, which means we get to hear from an animal. And Carlos has to guess what it is. Ugh. Send in your measure ups. We want to hear them. It's been forever. It, I mean, I think it's been like two weeks, but it's been forever. Yeah. Without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. Different sound there. <laughs> those are two different. I mean, it's, those are two different sounds but for the same bird. Is it A, a common kestrel? B, a northern goshawk, C, a red kite, or D, a sparrowhawk? Uh, D, sparrowhawk. Final answer? Yep. That's incorrect. It's a northern goshawk. Uh, I figured hawk would be in the title just because this is a hawk moth. I had to look up a video on how to pronounce that because it looks like goshawk. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, that's a that's a goshawk. Interesting. Talk wingspan. I was hoping you'd say something like toucan, and then I'm like, that that one's it. It's <laughs> like it sounds exotic. Is it is it a northern goshawk, a bear, a walrus, or a human being? <laughs> I got it. I got this one. <laughs> Let's talk wingspan. 
They're between 4 to 5.5 centimeters, which is 1.6 to 2.2 inches. How many clearing hummingbirds go into the most expensive plane ever built? Any guesses as to what that plane was? Air Force One? Get a, no. Good guess. It's not just a tricked out. There are plenty of very, very, on the list of most expensive ones, many of them are just tricked out like personal jets. Yeah, you. I, I mean, you're you're asking me if I like can name this, and I'm trying to think of. But but it is not a specific plane. Oh, stealth it's bomber. A, it's because I yes, said that. It's yes, it's a class of plane. It is the B two Spirit stealth bomber. I don't see that as a plane. <laughs> it's all, I it, see that as a jet, a military jet or something. I don't know what the difference is technically, but yeah. Yeah, the, I was, like commercial airliners are technically jets too. So yeah, what's I guess. a plane? Uh, so Something that's driven I think by planes a are just like propel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the the B here's the hint: the B two stealth Spirit stealth bomber is the most expensive plane at two point one billion dollars. It was built to beat anti aircraft defenses through stealthiness. Now, I think you can't the, detect it on a radar. The stealth bomber was the coolest. Yes. Th- like aircraft as a kid. That and the um, uh, the Blackbird. This is supposed to be the fastest. So the fastest, and then the stealth bomber just looks like an awesome boomerang that can. It's very alien. Fight the Russians or whatever. I think there's a whole movie about a stealth bomber that goes rogue, and starts to attack people. Oh, it's called Stealth. (laughs) (laughs) Um. All right, so how many clearing hummingbird moths go into... What was the weight again? The weight? Yeah, the, was, we're going... The, the length of the wingspan? Oh, the wingspan. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. The, you're going um, for the, the wingspan of the bomber. The wingspan of the the moth versus the bomber. Okay, it's 2.2 inches. Mm-hmm. And the bomber... Uh, I only ever had the... Uh, the four-inch toy. You never had the actual thing, the actual two on two point one billion dollar craft. No, all my friends did, but <laughs> we lived in an apartment during when I was in elementary school, so we couldn't afford that. Didn't didn't have the space. We we could we couldn't afford uh f- like full Capri Sun, and we couldn't afford uh a stealth bomber either. Um, I'm just kidding. Capri Sun was a treat, <laughs> but it wasn't a given. Um, As it should be. We take Capri Sun for granted too often. I, 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 I agree. So is it like the the lateral distance from wingtip to wingtip? Yes. I, you just drew, If you drew a straight line or yeah. like the if, if you had to walk it, because I think it's like not... As the, walk as the as the moth flies as the moth flies i see i see so like all over the place because those things are crazy they don't ever fly in a straight line <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i want to say 100 feet which is 1200 inches i want to say i'll say 500 500 clearing moths wing wingspans if you cut it in half oh because of the point two yes point two okay the correct answer is 938 oh, miles. This is a big 
plane jet. The bomber has a wingspan of 172 feet. Oh, boy. Quite a wingspan for something so stealthy. You should have called it the owl because the owl is something that flies with stealth. Yeah, but stealth bomber, it's like it tells you everything you need to know about it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's stealthy. Sh- it's sneaky. Don't don't tell don't tell anyone what it is. Just yeah. Yeah. Shh, when, shh, when you're know. when you're talking about the talking about it over the radio waves and you don't want Enigma <laughs> to figure it out, you call it the owl. It's your code name for it. Because you call it the stealth bomber, the Russians are like, I think I know what this does. <laughs> it's sneaky and it's gonna blow up stuff. Yes. Okay, let's talk about proboscis length. I don't want to. Let's we're, not. We're doing it. How about we move on? No. That's, I didn't have it scheduled. Face straws. Nine, they're between 19 and 21 millimeters or 0.75 to 0.83 inches. We're going with the upper end of average as always. How many hummingbird moth proboscises go into the length of the longest straw chain? That's like if you were trying to drink someone's milkshake. And you had a straw that went across the room? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And drank your milkshake? Here's a hint. The longest straw chain was made by 72 students, including Petru Paganaru and Marku Christi. I'm so, so sorry. In Bazu, Romania in 2008. If you're listening, Petru or Marku... Send in a measure. Uh, send a, a measure up intro and tell us how you you say your name. Yes, please do. Okay, I imagine that it's it's just stuffing one straw into another, right? Yes. That's the problem. Is like there there are no there's no like logistical uh like limitations to this outside of how many straws you have. Yeah, even more so. You said you levied this uh, criticism against the. Uh, what a noodle but there there are, i feel like there are structural limitations there i saw a not picture if, of not if stro- you like if you could just support it you can support it infinitely but just like with the it, sunflower in you the did t- one with like the tallest sunflower and like there's you can't have a 400 foot sunflower and have yeah, it stand up but, so it's but like, when you're making the noodle it could break up it could like you know, things could go wrong, but the the straws, you could just put them together. If it breaks, put it back together or you could tape them, you know? Yeah. What are, what are the rules here? Do you have to be able to drink out of it? N- could not mm-hmm. possibly drink out of it. <laughs> you lose suction on a one that goes across the room to drink the milkshake. So I can only imagine the world's longest one has, you, no, you'd have to be Superman. Or just work at it for a while. Um, well, I think you'd have to just, you'd have to like slurp really hard because you're slurp really hard so for much a while. suction. And then you just put your thumb over it when you get tired. Unless it was perfectly vacuum sealed with like good, like uh, duct tape on each segment. That's how you vacuum seal things, by the way, is you use duct tape. If, if, you, if you use enough. <laughs> That's how Thomas Edison created the incandescent light bulb. It's duct tape. Uh, all um, spaceships, too. Yes. I've, I just have no... Ba- no. I'm just going to have to go big or go home, you know? Well, you know, 500- a straw is what? Like, 
eight, like six inches, six, six inches? inches, eight inches. Yeah, I know, but there could be a million straws, or there could be a thousand straws. <laughs> so I'll tell, give you a hint. It's between those two numbers. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. All right, I'll say ten thousand straws, because I'm not gonna let you anchor me. Um, because, yeah. It seems like a lot, but it definitely seems like something I would read about and be like, wow, that's a lot of straws, and then move on with my life. Um, so then, yeah, I guess if we say like s- six inches, then it's half of that. So 5,000. 5,000. Wait, wait, no, no, sorry. Double that. So it's 20,000. No, 10,000 straws would be 5,000 feet. Yes. Forgetting my common core that I never <laughs> learned. I'm going to ballpark it and say 72,289.1566265060602. Just ballparking here, give or take. Final answer? Yeah. The correct answer is 535,907 proboscises. Oh, boy. (laughs) The chain was 11,298 meters or 37,000 and change feet. Uh... It and could have feasibly it, gone on forever. Like it included fifty eight thousand four hundred and sixty nine straws. What I wonder what happened to those straws at the end of this. Point they just put effort. them in that like big Pacific garbage floating island just thing directly into every sea turtle. That's what they, <laughs> did. <laughs> they just they they caught a bu- yeah they went out fishing for sea turtles and gave each one their own personal crazy straw, complete with the duct tape. Say enjoy. That was a rough one. <laughs> I hope you're happy. Uh, let's get into the fast facts before we get into the major fact, and let's go through it as fast as possible because we spent a lot of time on Measure Up. Okay. Hummingbird moths can be found all over the world, but this particular species is native to the Americas. It's a migratory moth that can be found everywhere, including Alaska, Ontario, and as far south as Texas, and everywhere in between. So North America. uh, Yeah, maybe Mexico too. Hard to say. I didn't see that. Still North America. I I feel like if you can be in Texas, you can be in in Mexico. Wait, it's it's not Central America? No, Mexico is North America. It likes to hang out in meadows, forests, edges, and even suburban gardens. Uh, They tend to follow the flowers, looking for that sweet, sweet nectar. Moths lay their eggs on plants that hatch into hornworms, which are fairly famous in their own right. They're green little, they're they're green little, like almost like hungry, hungry caterpillar guys, uh, with a flexible spine on their butts. It's like this little spike. Uh, I got when, the hungry, hungry caterpillar practically memorized at this point. <laughs> <laughs> While their parents are welcome in gardens, the kids are considered pests and are known to feed on crops like tomatoes and blueberries and stuff like that. When hung, the hungry, hungry caterpillar gets full, they pupate on on a pile of leaf litter with the tardigrades mm. whispering sweet dreams of air travel to their heads. <laughs> Why would tardigrades <laughs> know about air travel? <laughs> I feel I feel like tardigrades are the fairies of the bug world because they're you know they're everywhere. They're very tiny. They're hard to see. They're magical. They're mystical. They can survive in space just like a fairy is known to be able to do. Sure, Um, sure, sure. (laughs) So when they emerge, they have a few weeks to eat nectar, breed, and lay eggs before they die. What a life. That's about all there is, right? 
Wow. So this the hornworm is. I can't think of a caterpillar that would inspire the Pokemon Caterpie any more than this one. Looks exactly like it. Yeah. But there's just too many pictures of this thing with like clusters of eggs on it, and it's grossing me out. <laughs> so let's talk about the major fact instead. <laughs> so you may have gathered it. So I'm sorry. This major fact is called is brought to you by float like a butterfly and sit like a bird. So you may have gathered it from uh, Joe's description, but this thing looks like a hummingbird. Like, not exactly. When you look closely, you're like, oh, look at that moth. But from a distance and at an initial glance, it looks pretty much like a hummingbird. Uh, So, and needless to say, being mistaken for a bird goes a long way towards not getting eaten by birds. It's great when you're an insect and people and predators think that you're a bird. Really? Along, yeah, it's it really helps you up the corporate ladder. Does it? Because I I feel like birds of prey like to eat birds. Yeah, but I guess a a finch doesn't eat a bird though. <laughs> right, most birds don't eat other birds. <laughs> just the just the predatory ones and you don't I mean, yeah, you have to keep an eye out for them, but you probably would have had to keep an eye out for them anyway. I think crows probably eat other birds. Crows eat or rats. They eat anything. I don't know if they kill and eat other birds. They probably just eat a bird that they found. I think they would. I think a crow and a raven would kill another bird. That's really birdist of you. I feel like maybe, you know, I'm assuming based on their character and never having met a crow. Yeah, you just need to chill name. on your accusations. <laughs> Talk to Edgar Allan Poe and see what he thinks about it. I don't think Edgar Allan Poe is going to really advocate for for a bird species that predicted his doom, or the characters <laughs> do. Well, it's a it's a, a harbinger, an oracle, not a not a murderer. So, so we should be thanking the crow, the the raven. Yes, the raven. <laughs> He's warning us. Or if it's inevitable, then that's rude. You're just really marring the last moments of my life with panic. Right. But then you have uh, Hitchcock's crows, and then those are murderers. Yeah, but those are everything. All birds. For no reason. And you never find out why. Until you watch Birdemic, and then you know why. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Birdemic is just the... It's a... Um, it's the... Uh, uh, it's a plot explaining movie it's a it's a prequel or sequel for the birds yes it's just like this is why they they went crazy it's because this guy was hanging out hanging out with his <laughs> hanging out with his family having, having himself, himself a party, a party. <laughs> oh man this is this is people have turned off their <laughs> <laughs> their pod, turned off this the show by now we're, we're really narrowing the venn diagram we do that a lot. This Venn diagram. Um, all right. So the key to the illusion that this moth is a hummingbird is doing what hummingbirds do. That includes flying around and sipping nectar, which is probably the easy part for moths. Um, but it's the coming out during the day that's very unmothy like Because I don't know yeah. if you've noticed moths like the dark until well they like coming out at night and then going toward whatever light source they can find 
to their own doom. Why? Um, Why would they want to go to a light source? Insects are drawn to bright lights because they confuse the animal's navigational systems. That sounds like a theory. That's that may not be true. That's on NationalGeographic.com. Well, I know, but like that might be the prevailing theory. But there might that might be up for debate. Um. Yeah, I don't know. This this National Geographic article is actually not very professionally written. Um. Anyway. (laughs) Uh. So. By coming out during the day, this makes the moth vulnerable to birds and other predators that hunt during the day that otherwise wouldn't be able to see them as easily at night. But they also have another key factor that helps them look like hummingbirds, and that's their clear wings. It is the clear wing hummingbird moth, after all. So a typical hummingbird can beat its wings about 70 times a second or 4,000 times a minute, which is why its wings appear invisible. So predators are used to seeing hummingbirds as little feathered bird torsos kind of just floating around uh, without wings because they're moving so fast. But if the hummingbird moth stops on a flower to sip the nectar, then it will be pretty clear that it's not a hummingbird because its wings will be, well, unclear. (laughs) (laughs) not clear um so but the because the hummingbirds or sorry the moth has clear wings even when it's stopped and its wings are not um, beating it still looks like a hummingbird's wings in motion does that make sense to me okay Um, if it makes sense to you then hopefully it makes sense to everybody else (laughs) because it's like when you look at the the wings, the you know, they're not entirely clear. They're, m- most of it is, but there are like there are veins and things that you can see. So it gives the illusion of of motion from a distance, even when it's not actually there. But hummingbird moths can flap their wings at seventy times a second. So uh, they, when they flap their wings, it's it should be it looks exactly like a regular hummingbird. But when it's perched, it does not want to be immediately identified as a moth. So that's why it cleared its wings and its schedule. <laughs> uh, but the piece de resistance is the fact that it can emit a hum that is similar to a hummingbird's when it flaps its wings because it's flapping them at the... It's the sound of the wings flapping. So basically everything about this moth signals to all other animals and insects around it, hey, look, there's a hummingbird. Uh, But the difference is that the smallest hummingbird is about, uh, I think, like three or four inches. That's the rufous hummingbird, I think we were, or the red-throated hummingbird. Ruby-throated hummingbird is like three or four inches. Um, And then the hummingbird moth is only 2.2 inches, so it's a lot smaller uh, than even the smallest hummingbird. But so so that's that's why it shouldn't fool you, listener, when you are walking through a garden and you see what looks like a very tiny hummingbird or possibly a bee darting from flower to flower. You're probably looking at a hummingbird moth. But for predators, they don't know the difference. They're not they haven't listened to measure up enough times. (laughs) And that's it. That's the that's all I got for the hummingbird moth. Check it out. Take a like like a lot of the animals we do when you get a chance uh, look this up and 
look at a picture of it because it's pretty crazy. It does look a lot like a hummingbird. Like specifically adapted. It really to, does. To look like that. And they move like hummingbirds very like very convincingly. Yeah, that kind of like they're they're static hovering in front of one flower and then beam over to another and then beam over to another. So yeah, you got anything else? Mm, that's all, all I got. Right. That was the Clearwing Hummingbird Moth. So for you out there in Podcastia, put on your best disguise. Keep your wings a flapping. And don't forget to use your proboscis whenever you're sipping some nectar like the hummingbird moth here in Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Hey, LDT listeners. Thanks for listening to the end of the episode. For your loyalty, you get a shameless self-promotion from us. If you haven't already, leaving a review on your favorite podcast app can really help us grow. But telling your podcast-loving friends about us is even better. Also, don't forget to send in your measure-up intros and animal suggestions to ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. As always, thanks, most of all, for listening. podcast <laughs> I want to be a master of disguise <laughs>